I'll also agree with the thinking and brainstorming piece because I feel, especially when we had to work in the office, that was the hardest part of like, I hope they all think I'm working over here because I'll just be like (laughs) (laughs) staring off in this space. And I'm like, oh, thank God for remote work because now I could just do that on my own time. Welcome to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week, a podcast that explores product management and leadership topics through interactive conversations with our product leader panelists. Conversations that will challenge you to think about your thoughts on the topic and perhaps get you to change your mind. I am Grant Hunter, co-founder of Product Growth Leaders and the host and facilitator for these conversations. Listen, subscribe, and add your voice to the conversation every week in the Product Growth Leaders community. Hello, everybody. Grant Hunter here with another Product Growth Leaders topic of the week. Steve, every conversation we have with product leaders and every forum we have conversations with product leaders, it seems like they struggle to communicate the impact of good product management to the leadership, helping people understand it. So what I, I thought maybe this would be a good time to have a conversation. I mean, why do you think we struggle so much about being able to measure and communicate the impact of good product management. Because success has many fathers and failure is an orphan. So that's sort of like the quarterback gets all the credit for the win. I don't know. I, I don't know. But I guess that is part of it, right? If we are truly a cross-functional role, there is the success of the design and development organization and designing and building the right product with contacts we may have provided them. There's the success of the marketing team of targeting the positioning and messaging to the right segments so it resonates, so we create leads. There's the success of the sales team of being enabled and each of them have that, their metric to their success on their own. Mm -hmm. Yet we sort of like share or or slathered across all of them it's not anywhere specific i right we empower the others in their metrics yeah and so it's sometimes hard to communicate hey we helped you grow no my sales team helped me grow or my marketing team created more leads and and sometimes we don't get back to that root cause where maybe it was a good product decision so on monday we put into the community uh how do you measure the impact of good product management Right. And I thought this just would be a good starter question to figure out, you know, how do we talk about it? John Fontenot, our friend, uh, we had him on earlier talking about his assumptions book, said he measures it along five dimensions, vision, quality, adoption, economics, and third 360 reviews. It was a way to do it. Uh, Corey, you had the most, most truthful answer I think you've ever had. Oh, that's saying something. Ouch. Wow. I don't, I don't know. Sticking the knife. Why do, I mean, I really don't. How do you, how do you identify it? This one person had this effect. I mean, we don't create anything, right? We're not, we don't create products. We don't create codes. We let others do it. Uh, like Steve was talking, we empower others. So I don't know how you synthesize all that down to what you did as a product person that made that successful. Um, or what you didn't do to make that unsuccessful. So I, really, I don't know is the right answer. Um, if I guessed, it would be, did you identify a good problem to solve? And did you work with the rest of the team to solve it? 
um, frequently product people are not given the opportunity to select a problem to solve. They are told, go do this, which is not a problem to solve. Um, but I, to me, that's where I would look to say, are we selecting good things to work on and are we working on them well as a team to solve them? I, so getting, I mean, I, a couple of years ago, I wrote an article called the product leadership imperative. I was leaning into Warren Bennis's idea of leadership management is doing things right. Leadership is doing the right things. So on that line, Corey, you're saying we should be measuring good product management on, are we doing the right things? Are we solving the right problems? I, I would, I would prefer that over what I am typically measured on. Yeah. And I, I, I like that idea. It, it, it sort of, you know, but then it's, it's, it's a two, it's a two part thing. Cause it's, are we doing the right things and are we properly empowering the downstream stakeholders to execute and realize the opportunity that we do there? So, uh, you know, I, and I, this is me thinking out loud about how do you measure, you know, I guess we can, you know, you need both sides of that to have a successful product. Yeah, you're talking about how do you measure an individual in a very large system? Yeah. And I don't know how you do that. Well, I'm, I'm not thinking about the individual as much as I am thinking about the, the, the function, the department, right? If we're trying to communicate to senior leadership, how do you see the value? How do we talk to them about the impact we make? When back to Steve's conversation, many of the things, many of the metrics that people talk to senior leadership about are already assigned primarily to a sales function or a marketing function or a design and development function. Uh, I, this is this, this question is not getting any easier, and, and your I don't know is sticking out in being more true. I, I may hey yep. So Grant, uh, uh, okay, maybe I can throw something out there that might confuse it even more, but might just give just, some, just what some we room need. Dodge, come on. <laughs> coming right so, into your first one and, and confusing things even more that's my job well, it, it at least gives some people something to think about along this line but so in um one of the products that i've done in the past while i was with that company uh the the product itself won awards in the industry so who gets the credit for that is that a measure of success of the product itself and does that reflect more on the product manager or is it the whole team or is it the company? I mean, that would be a measure of success and impact and that's maybe the, the right thing was done, but who puts what on their resume for what impact that they had? That, that's always been one of my hardest things when I was writing my resume to take credit for something, right? Right. I, I, I increased profitability by 15%. I didn't do it. The organization did. And, and perhaps we need to start, you know, maybe it's the humility aspect of it. I always like to look at the team as a whole. We did this together. We did this together. But too often, some of the people we work with are, are more individualistic. I did this. We, you know, my department did this. And, and you know, Again, this is an ongoing thing that we're trying to figure out. How do we share that? And as for those awards, I've been on the, the committee of those awards. It's whoever gave the best demo uh, and, and could communicate what it was the best. So I'd say whoever wrote the demo script is the reason is the person who won that award for you. Because when we're get, when we're I, and this is for me doing um, SIIA's uh, uh, Clio or whatever their award was. I can't remember what it was. It was yeah. all about that demo, right? Yeah, that was, who could, that was one of them we got. Yeah. <laughs> 
but could I could I just jump in and and sort of add to maybe that that thought or, or maybe reframe it in a slightly different way. I Go think ahead. it depends. Um, and I think what Corey said is was a really interesting point. I think it depends on how upstream or downstream you are with respect to who's setting the tone and cadence around product strategy. Because usually if there is greater alignment at the top and, and usually um, if there is sort of guardrails that are put in place around the product team being kind of looked at or regarded as a way to, to rank stack and validate sort of decision-making frameworks at the highest level, I think it really depends, right? Because it, in, in the end of the day, if the role of the product team, the product manager, the chief product officer, whatever, is to identify blockers, blind spots on an individual level and then team level and then org level and unblock them systematically, I think, you know, that that would be how I would measure sort of impact and, and sort of think about, um, am I making fewer bad decisions faster as a team? Am I making fewer bad decisions faster as an individual? And am I making fewer bad decisions faster as an org? And in so doing, am I speeding up the velocity of that virtuous cycle I'm creating? Um, I, now, I, if if you're if you're coming down downstream a little bit further, right? Like in your your product org is more like a services business that's executing on a predefined punch list. That would be a different set of kind of more tactical KPIs and success measures. But I think it depends, right? Like on where well, you if sit. If it's product management, it always did. In product management, it always depends, right? On right. the situation you're in. I think the best companies I've seen, if you get that alignment, senior leadership on market focused in the product leading with choosing the right markets and problems, I think that we can align those metrics and everybody wins together. May, you talk about being intentional about the what, how, and when you measure and you'll get the metrics you want. I'd love to, you know, as always, May has her blog post thesis uh, in there and I, I, I encourage everybody to read it, but I'd love to you know, talk me through where your head is on this, May. So there's like the high level, you know, how is the company doing as in like the whole product? And I think it's important to look at those as a reflection of the status of the product in general, right? Um, and also kind of the change over time uh, because you wanna see that improve. Now, again, to go back to everyone else's point, like that measures everyone else as well. So if you wanna go down to the very granular level on an individual PM with the team that they're working with or the teams, um, to build the actual solutions. You can look at the explicit OKRs. Are you hitting those targets within that specific time frame? And you can say, yes, this product manager is doing great product management, or you know, we've learned a lot from this product manager doing this product management. But again, that's not at you know, even a team level, let alone an organizational level, right? Yeah. So my personal favorite. Uh, completely unacademic or scientific metric is how much are people complaining about product management? Um, <laughs> and it's it's like it's not something you can go and like put on a spreadsheet or tell people about really because it's it's usually quite sensitive. But usually, if people are frustrated, it's if it's something to do with product management strategy prioritization, it's we're building the wrong things, or I don't get what we're doing, or uh, we're getting specs and these specs suck, or 
you know, I don't feel like, I feel like I'm taking orders, you know, that's problems with product management, right? Uh, but if you get to the point where people are complaining about, oh, like, we're just not working well with the UX designers, or like, I don't like these designs, or uh, the engineering team just hasn't built anything for three weeks, you know, those now you're like, okay, so maybe this isn't a product problem anymore. This is like a bit of an organizational problem. It's like other structural issues, but it also kind of sort of tells you that product management is doing okay. Um, and highly unscientific, it sounds kind of stupid, like, especially when I say it out loud, I'm like, oh, that, that sounds terrible. So the, <laughs> the more people, the more other functions complain about product management, the better product management is doing. No, the less they complain about product management, because like, if product management is the first thing people complain about, always, like, if everything else is wrong, but product management is doing something wrong, like it's, we almost always gets to complain, like. So, so the, where I was going with this, and the reason I asked that question is, I've been in places where the complaints about product management was we're not doing my pet project. We're not doing it the way I want to. And if we're doing a good job of saying no, right, if we're doing a good job of being focused and prioritizing, there are going to be a whole bunch of people complaining because we're not doing what they wanted to do. But I understand what you're saying as well, that we are the, you know, we're the, because we touch everything, there's going to be more chances uh, for, for that to happen. And if we're doing a good, if we're doing a good job, the other functions aren't complaining about us. Okay, to be completely fair, I completely mentally filter out those complaints as like, that's not something I have to deal with. <laughs> I, fair, I get that. I, 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 it makes, makes a ton of sense. Richard, you had your hand up first and then I'll go to Karen. Yeah, so this is probably unpopular and right, this is against that whole, there's no I in team. But if you're looking for a job, no one's hiring your team. They're hiring you which means you need to be able to talk about what you've brought. When you're going in for your performance review, it's not about what the team accomplished, it's what you accomplished. You have to be able to talk about your accomplishments. So um, in, in, in that realm, if, if product management is an empowering role, which is I think the term that Steve and I are liking right now, <clears throat> we can talk about what we've empowered other teams to do and how we did that. Yeah, we can talk about how we've set everyone else up to succeed, right? But it's we set them up to succeed, or really I set them as the product manager. I set right the developers up to succeed on this project. I set UX up to succeed on this project because that's what you need to talk about when you're going out for a job. That's what you need to talk about when you're pushing for a promotion. That's when you yeah. need to talk about when you're pushing for a raise. And, and, and the holistic, because we enable uh, so many of, of these, uh, it's, there's, there's I, I, I like this. I actually, I'm starting to think like in volleyball, product management is a setter. We don't do a lot of scoring ourselves, but we're making sure the ball is in the right place for the outside hitters or the middle blockers to, to do their job. Uh, I don't know. I don't know why, what, how, how I got there. I think because you used the word set. I, Richard, I like that. Uh, it, we do have to think about ourselves and sometimes our humility may get in the way. Uh, Karen. Yeah, so, you know, the, the question that you had up was about product management and I took that to mean a group. The, 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 the 
the generalization of product management. <clears throat> and I'm also, and as much as I come from software as a service and come from product management, I'm in product operations now. So it's like, here's what happens behind the scenes in product management, things that I never knew happened as a product manager. I'm getting glimpses into now. Um, so I, from, from my vantage point now, I look at it first and say, how do you <clears throat> gauge whether product, you know, the success of product management? I look to the chief product management officer, first of all. I look to the very top because I see so many things that start there and trickle down. So taking the individual out of it for a second, you look at the very top players. Are they, are they in agreement? Do they have a functional relationship? Have they set a goal that everyone understands? If that goal is we just want revenue, we don't care about margins, we just want revenue. I'm gonna manage my product in one way. If they say, we've got some cost cutting we need to do, we need margin, we need market share, whatever that might be, that's gonna impact what I do and how I take my product and how I manage all the things that go around it. <clears throat> the second thing is, when I've been given a directive of this is what we need to do as a company, my job in product management as the hub of the wheel is to, like some of you have talked about, is to run interference and enable my teams to do those things quickly. So there's like lots of little bits and pieces that people said in here that were really you know, impactful and necessary. So am I getting things out of the way so that my team can function? Am I getting the politics out of the way? Am I getting all the little, like is customer support pinging product managers all the time to ask about the latest thing? No, you can't do that. Get out of their way. No, um, I, I, I love what you're getting to because it's sort of like, we're the whole, we bring all the other things together. Design yeah. can do a good job. Development yeah. can do a good job. Marketing can do a good job. Sales can do a good job. If the, but if they don't all do a good job, it's going to fall apart and we might struggle. Where product management is that one place that we can come across to bring everything together. I almost said the glue word. I don't like that word when it comes to product management. But it's a place where we can, it's this holistic empowerment. So if we bring the whole results, that's where we see it happen. And, and to, to, to ping on what Richard was saying about, I'm an, inter, I'm an individual and I'm going for a job interview. You can talk to, my goals were this. And you know, in 2019, my goals were this. Here is what I did to hit that goal. And here's how I manage the teams to hit that goal. You can, you can change, I don't want to say change your story, but you can create your story in a way that talks about how you understand that there are different goals that might be getting set. And sometimes it's a moving target, but speak to how you met those challenges and still delivered on the goal. And I think to this point, having that senior product management leader be aligned at the senior leadership level to make sure we're all working on the same things. I mean, I, I, I'm thinking of our mutual friend who's probably the best product leader I've ever worked with. Yep. And that's one of the things he shined at was the, being able to make sure that there was an alignment on what our strategy and objectives were. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah. His name's come up a few times, by the way, lately. Sorry, who, well, who, is, who is this mutual friend? We'll put it in the chat. 
it, it, yeah, I, I, me too. So uh, he's got some stuff going on. Lay, I love, wanted to get to you. You've been sitting there quietly smiling. Uh, I, I feel like you've had stuff you wanted to say, but. <laughs> yeah, um, first of all, I totally agree with Karen and what Richard was saying as well. I'll take it a step further. And I'll say you can definitely measure product success by the company's success because it's our responsibility for literally everything. So to the point what May was saying, if people hate what's going on, they'll blame product. And if people love what's going on, you should take responsibility for that. And you should say, yeah, I did that because it's your responsibility to train the salespeople. It's your responsibility to make sure they know how to talk about it. They communicate the value prop, that marketing knows what they're doing, that CS can support their customers. It's your responsibility. And even if you have like a dud sales team, it doesn't matter. <laughs> it's it's yeah. product responsibility and it falls on them, even though maybe the VP of sales should have a better sales org. It doesn't matter. So at the end of the day, a lot of the time. And so if we have weaknesses in the organization, we need to mm -hmm. find ways around that right? Yeah. And it's infuriating sometimes. That's like sometimes the hardest part of product management for me is dealing with maybe like, a, like a group of C players or something where, you know, they, they're not as invested and it's like banging your head against the wall because this is all, this is your baby. This is your responsibility and they don't no, care. I, I, yeah. I, you know, that, that resonates a ton. I, I've been reading, uh, the challenger sale, uh, book. If you haven't read it, it is a great product management book. It, you may not think it's a product management book, but what they're teaching you in the challenger sale is how do you enable your sales team to start with problems and shift it to a, not just a problem that everybody's like, oh yeah, but change the mindset. Mm -hmm. And what they talk about is not all salespeople are of the challenger mindset and it takes enabling them, teaching them how to do this and walking them from how do you establish it and walk them through the process. And I'm like, that's product management, that's product marketing, right? That's, that's something we do. If we do it right, we're enabling that problem. They, they talk about hypotheses, hypotheses-based selling. And we should be giving them the, in companies like yours, here are the three biggest challenges we hear. So they can then, it resonates with them and they can do it. So, you know, my work, I've worked with some bad marketing teams and all, what I had to do is do a better job of saying, okay, here are the segments we're going after. Here are the problems we're solving. Here's our strategic positioning and giving them the pieces to be able to do what it does. I, 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 that was, yeah, completely love where you, where you went there. Uh, uh, Zach, you had your hand up. I don't know if you put it down because it got covered uh, or if you had another two cents to put in. To be honest, I put it down because I don't have enough random access memory right now and I totally <laughs> forgot it. So that that was that was the the true reason i think i was responding to a point karen made but um it's been made a couple of points ago i think it was adjacent to what i put in in the chat um but i i i do think like sometimes just functioning like a heisman you know and buying a team more time or just like figuring out how to communicate trade-offs diplomatically and and not hard yeses or hard no's is is sometimes some of the soft skills required of, of being diplomatic enough to, to function as both a product owner and a scrum master when needed. Sort of yeah. be like an ambivert at times. 
No, and, and it sort of goes back to our conversation the other week on toxic culture. Sometimes we need to be that umbrella, right? So sometimes part of measuring our impact is measuring what we, what we keep people out of, the, the, the stupid meetings we keep people out of. Uh, you know, Steve, you told a story about telling somebody not to go to a meeting and telling them to, you know, I, that's part of our impact, right? Agreed. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I've got, listened to the old podcast to hear that story. And I would, I would add like that the bigger the organization, the more people who are responsible and accountable in a project racy matrix want to be considered or informed. You know, everybody wants to take credit for the wins. Nobody wants to take responsibility or accountability for the losses. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Dutch, you, you came in a little on this question. I wanted to give you a chance to, you know, you were reacting to somebody else's answer and I wanted to go back and see if, you know, what, what your thought was on how do you measure it? Uh, I don't have anything additional right now that's front of mind um, besides what everybody else has already been saying. <laughs> All right. uh, Richard, Richard, I'm going to go to you for the same thing. Again, you were reacting to somebody else's post. Any, anything, any insight new you want to add to this? No, um, for me, right. Yeah, I just lost my thought. We're all working on a little less RAM right now, Zach. It's not just you. Uh, Steve, any uh, any more thoughts on this, on measuring the impact of good product management before we shift to the poll? Well, yeah. You know, as we were talking about that whole thing, uh, I was thinking more and more what I'm hearing is that product management should be measured on the strategy and the other team should be managed on the execution. I thought oh, you would it, like that. I Steve, more and more, you're coming to the dark side of strategy. I do see that <laughs> happening over the past few months, but it, it's, it's, but it's both part. It's, we're measured on the strategy, doing the right things, but then measured on enabling the other functions to be successful at yeah. what they do. Yeah. And Let so, me run with that for a second. I mean, my first job in product management, I went to the development team kind of fearful because, you know, I didn't know what relationships they had had in the past or whatever. And I said, you know, how can I be helpful here? You know, how can I be part of, you know, success? And I was thunderstruck that they didn't want me telling them what features to build. They wanted me to tell them what was going on in the business. Tell me about personas and their problems and uh, give me, you know, the priorities based on something other than God spoke to me in a dream. And they, they were asking for, you know, me to be a business person, which I knew how to do. What I didn't know how to be is a designer or a dev lead or a project manager. So it was the perfect first job for me. No, I, I get that completely and totally. And, and, and Zach, you just put into the, into the chat risk mitigation and expectation management. I, I wrote an article a while back that was that product management is risk management right it's part of our our job to be doing risk management and then managing those expectations setting those the right goals and I, you know this is me now processing through all the conversations we've had and i'm going to zeroing in some stuff that may was talking about with okrs if we do our planning properly in, in our strategy and stuff we should know what our initiatives are we should have okrs that are tied to us executing against our strategy so there should be sort of those OKR initiative level stuff that we can measure and uh, the impact are we delivering on the on these initiatives we said we should be doing. And then 
so it's we delivered on them. Did we get the impact, the measure, the financial or whatever measurements uh, that we're expecting from them? So I think there is that high level whole success of what we're doing, but also the low level, did we have success in those uh, initiatives that we're doing? Uh, and it's, it's tough. And maybe this is one of the reasons why it's tough for product leaders to help their leadership teams understand the impact of good product management with where we're on, going. On that point, though, I think one other aspect that we haven't talked about, so we talked about strategy and we talked about delivery. And I, I don't know if it's like, aside from do you have a strategy and is it backed up by something? I don't know if it's healthy to measure product strategy. Like, it, it, would it not be healthier to measure outcomes? Because, like, a lot of people say, oh, I have a great strategy. And everyone says, oh, yes, we have a strategy. Our, our strategy canvas may actually, <laughs> the, the, we have four boxes on our strategy canvas. It was informed by yeah. uh, Roger Martin's play to win, playing to win framework. Okay, I, I need to get a Drucker. I got my Roger Martin in, Steve. I need to get a Drucker in soon. But the four boxes are sort of, what is your strategic aspiration? What are you trying to achieve with it? Who's your ideal target customer profile? Where are you trying to play with this? What's your competitive differentiation or competitive advantage? Why does this make sense for us to do? And the fourth box is, how do you measure success? So your strategy should identify how you're measuring success. And to Karen's point, I think it was, that may change. We may say, oh, we're short-term focused. We're only caring about revenue for the next two years, or we're only caring about profitability, or we're only caring about market share, right? Regardless of anything. And once we understand that how to measure success, and that should cascade down from the corporate strategy, we should be able to measure strategy, but realize it's not a short-term thing. It's a long-term thing, right? The strategy is measured more than just a year or two years. It should be where we're going with it. So... Any thoughts, May, before I go to Corey? Uh, it's it's more, I feel like we don't talk about prioritization because half the time you have strategy and then 20 other people have strategies. And if you have a weird matrix development organization going on, uh, nothing actually gets done. So well, it's, it's I feel about like alignment it, of strategy. Alignment of strategy and also just how does it, end up happening so like in terms of what are we measuring and how to measure i think it's something to keep in mind that's going to be highly dependent on your org oh completely and totally yeah. uh, i i agree with that Corey, i got your hand raised and i'll come to you after that zach yeah i'm reacting to may saying we should measure we should not measure strategy we should measure outcomes i'm having a hard time wrapping my head around that in similar ways of people saying we should not measure the decision or the quality of the decision unless we measure the outcome of the decision. I'd like to evaluate how our decision was made. Did we have the right information for this? Did we have the right information for a strategy? Did we plan a good strategy or not? I think that's completely measurable to say we had a good strategy. It just didn't work out for whatever reason. So yeah. I, I don't mind that at all. That, that's getting into a little Annie Dukes playing in bets, right? Where she talks about how did you make the decision? You could have made the decision all, all with the right information and it could have been the wrong decision. Right. And so I, I think a retrospective on how you did it, you know, it's, it, I think it's the strategy and how you made those decisions. It's the outcome. And did you make, make the outcome? But this is all of being a learning organization in, in growing, uh, you know, with our learnings from that. Zach, it's interesting. I was actually responding to May's same point from an outcome standpoint around product strategy, but I've been thinking about um, 
success measures both quantitatively as well as qualitatively, right? Like I feel like there's sometimes an emotional outcome and sometimes there's also a rational outcome. Like there's a quantifiable one, but then there's also like a less tangible one, like culture. And I think that May was alluding to, you know, you frequently hear the vocal minority or majority bitching, right? But you don't often hear like like lots of fist bumps and like like backpats, you know, from from the the peanut gallery when you're doing things right. So yeah. I I do think that like it it depends on on kind of how quantifiable and, and qualitative the the outcomes you're you're looking to, to measure are, as well as how rational, you know, like directly tied to the roadmap versus more emotional, maybe like overcoming individual biases, team biases, org biases, market biases. Um, and, and if you're trying to change the status quo, sometimes that, that you know, is a longer term type of a thing than a shorter term tactical outcome or, or you know, strategy that you might be able to quickly validate or invalidate with, with some hypothesis testing. No, I, I love that. And the culture, I, I, was, I was recently on a call with a company we're working with and on their dashboard, on their dashboard that they present quarterly numbers, like our results, right? Our annual stuff, they actually had a field for team happiness. So they were actually, one of the things they were measuring was the happiness of the team. And the, that gets in a little more of the intangible, but there is, a, there is a definite way that we can do that. I want to take this break while I'm talking and we're going to shift to uh, the poll. Uh, on uh, Wednesday, we put the poll in the community. What metric should senior leadership look at first when assessing the impact of product management? The options were financial metrics, customer satisfaction metrics, adoption and engagement metrics, partner team productivity metrics, as we've talked about here, uh, or other it depends. And, you know, it was a, there was an interesting, you know, battle going on between financial metrics and adoption. John Fontenot came in and said it's a mix and you have you can't be a mix if you're saying first. May, you said other, it depends. I want to see where you went with that. So the impacts of product management is what's happening, what's changing about the product, right? So imagine a world where you remove product management. You're probably just like building on the existing product. You're not really thinking about too much about the future, where you want to go with the product. It's in basically maintenance mode, right? Yep. Um, so when you're looking at the impact of product management, it has to be kind of like in time frames that are relevant. Uh, so for example, if product management is hedging a big bet on this thing that they're going to spend, you know, a whole quarter on building, uh, like what is the impact of that thing that we've done, right? What is the impact of our big bets or our strategy? So I think in terms of looking at metrics, it's not about a metric. It's about that rate of change of that metric over that time period. Okay, I, I, I like that. So it, it, the metric, it, it could be any of these, but the more important thing is it's about the, the directionality of it, the trending of it and where exactly. it's going. Okay, yeah. I, I like that. I'm going to go, uh, we had 7% of the vote with customer satisfaction. Adoption and engagement metrics took 46%. It's in the lead. And, and I'm going to start with, Lee, you, you were one of the people who did that, and I'm going to come to Dutch and Corey after, uh, after that. Lee, talk to me about why you went with adoption and engagement. I think that adoption and engagement needs to come first because it's a sign of 
a good product that you have, if you have high adoption and engagement, you could figure out the financial part and the pricing part after. Yeah. I don't, I think sometimes you could price things wrong. Maybe you're doing a freemium, premium product project or something like that, where you're not sure where it sits financially or, or price wise. Um, but as long as you get that adoption strong first, you can really take off from there and try to figure out how to up the finance piece. And I can see it being a leading indicator, right? Yeah. You, you may be able to use the adoption engagement to be a leading indicator to get to the financial. So I, I, and I, I, I can get there. Karen, you got your hand up. Yeah. Um, as people are talking, I started to think selfishly, maybe not selfishly, about what are my goals, like my career goals? <clears throat> and my, I believe that we create businesses because we want to make money, you know, otherwise it's a, it's a not-for-profit or something like that. But the goal of a business is to make money. Yep. And if you don't have money, ultimately you don't have a business and you can't do the things that you wanted to do for the market that you wanted to serve. So I just wanted to interject this. We all have our own filters. And my filter, you know, my vote was for the financial piece of it, but I'm really cognizant of the fact now that that might be because that that's my aspirations. I want to be a part of the decision-making process that impacts the financial results. It's great if you've got lots and lots of top-line growth, but if you're losing money, how are you going to cover that? So I think that, anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there, that we all have filters, like our own personal filters. No, com completely. And I get that. And, and Lee, I think you made a really good case for adoption engagement, actually making me think about I was a financial person as well. Dutch, you were there as well in adoption engagement. Has this conversation changed your head at all? Or talk to me about where your vote is and why? Uh, no, I'm, I'm still voting the same way. Um, how can I highlight what you're sharing? Because I, I need to see what the other options were again. Um, <laughs> I still can't see them. <laughs> anyway, oh, um, actually, I just brought up that it was financial, customer satisfaction, adoption, engagement, or partner team productivity metrics. Well, see, um, like customer satisfaction, I mean, it kind of comes in there with adoption and engagement. You can you can kind of see how well, how many, how often, or whatever that they are satisfied based on how well that the that it's being adopted and how engaging, how sticky that you know whatever it is. Um, team, partner team productivity metrics, obviously nobody voted for that. So, um, but then it, when it comes to the financial aspect, I mean, the, the main reason why I said adoption and engagement is because however many people are using it, if they're using it and they're adopting it from the get-go, that to me is, you know, assessing the impact of product management. Yeah. Um, if you're, you're looking at the financials and saying, oh, well, we're losing money or we're not getting as many renewals now, people aren't staying with it after they've purchased it, or we're not, nobody's buying the new version. I mean, is that, is that because the product's bad or because the word's not getting out? Is that marketing that's, or customer success that aren't telling people that, hey, if you renew this year, you're going to get this new feature or it's going to be soon. So those are all the the how to measure the impact of those other things that deal with the financial yeah. side of the customer, the actual usage of the product itself for the product management impact is how engaging and 
how well the, that the thing is adopted by whoever comes because across. Because we solved the right problem and we right. understood the persona and we right. enabled, empowered our teams to deliver the right solution on it. I, yeah. I can see that. We, and that's going to be the we, first we place answered, where the rubber hits the road. Yeah. We answered the question of, you know, not only can we do it, but should we do it? Yeah. Um, and both turned out to be good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I get it. Lee, you've got a comment? I just want to make one comment because I've had a situation like this before and something Dutch said reminded me of it. You could have a kick-ass sales team and have a real terrible product and you can see good financial numbers for a while until it comes crashing down eventually because like- right. I realize the long-term value. Uh, you're, 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 you're actually making a good point there that's going to make me think about my answer. One last thing, Dutch? Just one last thing. So a lot of my, my, uh, my product background was in the military and federal contracting. And there ain't no sales and marketing when it comes to that. That's you produce something and people are using it. So again, going to what the impact of product management is, it's not even having to be sold. It's just having to be used. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely and totally, I've, I've, I've done some of those products as well. Corey, you were also on team, as you called it, team adoption and engagement. You know, anything that hasn't been said you want to add in? I mean, we're making products for people to use to improve their lives in some way. If we're not doing that, I, to me, nothing else matters. And yeah. if we're not doing that, then everything else is probably going to be gamed anyway. Oh, we had a great sales quarter this year. Who cares? People aren't using the product um, and they aren't being successful with the product. So think of all the products that you try once and then delete or ignore because it sucked. And while well, we had we had 50,000 activations this month on our new version of the app, <clears throat> but yeah. nobody's using it. Nobody's using it daily. Nobody's finding value with it. So I, I, you guys are all making good points. I mean, I, 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 I'm still team finance, you know, purely because it's senior leadership and that's the number, that's what they understand. Right. I think you need to talk to them in the language they understand, they understand numbers, but if you can't core, let me finish. What we need to do is do a better job of telling the story of how those other things lead to it. So maybe we broaden their aspect. Uh, of that. I want to quickly, before I, I, Corey, you have something about it. Richard, you've been quiet. How did you vote or did you vote or how would you vote? I, I didn't vote, but my vote is other. And I'm probably going to throw things on their head again. Yeah. Um, for me, did we hit the success criteria and the forecast that we set out to hit? Right. Yeah. We may have something and it just goes to the moon. But if we have, if it's hardware and we haven't pipelined the components, and now people are waiting two years for it, we've pissed them off. So, if we've so created you're, you're... software and the engagement goes through the roof, and we didn't build the infrastructure for it, and everything's crashing, we're pissing people off, and we've now failed. Yeah, I appreciate that. Zach, did you vote, or what would you vote for? Um, I'm, I'm, I would say my, my default answer is it's always, it always depends. I mean, I think it really depends <laughs> on if it's a, a bottom up org or a top down org. I think it depends on if you're talking about a B2B company versus a D2C company yeah. versus a, you know, product led growth initiative versus an account based marketing initiative. I, I, I mean, it, it wildly depends, but I, I, I would tend to agree with you, Graham, in that, Grant. you know, or Grant, sorry. Um, That's you know, okay. like. Total cost of ownership and like FP&A is, is ultimately 
what powers all of these great things from the people to the process of the tools. So understanding the right level of fidelity and altitude of, of the, the team that you're working with, the tooling stack that you're working with, and, and how much or how little you're empowered to actually um, do the work. It's I think it's all about like right-sizing thinking, right-sizing tooling, right-sizing expectation management. And then to, you know, Richard's point, delivering on what you're setting forth as like an achievable goal from a smart project management standpoint. And to reinforce, I still am staying with finance, by the way. Drucker said profit is the measure of success, right? That's how we judge if we're successful with what we're with our business is if we have profits left at the end. So Steve, you're the last person. I don't have an idea of where the vote was. I, I think it's hard to choose one. It's, it, it's a combination of, you know, we have to be viable as a business or we failed. And if we can't create a great customer experience, then we'll fail sooner. Um, and so to, uh, I'm, I'm going to go with other, you know, quality okay. doesn't matter until it does. Yeah. And, I, See? and I, I, Richard maybe got my vote because Richard's type talk on it depends on what the first thing should be, whatever you identified as the success metric. So in the Karen's thing, it may change year to year what we're trying to measure it on. Cool. Dutch, did you have one last thing? I, I, I just think that those of you that are, are putting fi the financial aspect first, um, you're talking about the success of the business, not the product. You're talking about like what it took to get that product out and utilized and everything else. That was the whole company's effort, the whole cross-functional aspect of the company. Yes, the business's aspect is their success is finance, but the product yeah. success is use. I, 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 I see that. I understand it. I think for me, the lens of talking to senior leadership still comes back to the, the, the language they talk is business, but you know, this is something we could probably talk the rest of the afternoon about what I want to do. <laughs> we only have time for one uh, of our questions before the lightning round. What positive impact from product management is the hardest to measure? What is the hardest to measure? May, you've got a big smile on your face. If you're doing product management, right? Um, team cohesion. So we're talking about how when all of your all of the teams that you work with to build the solutions, to create the solutions, are all on board with exactly what you want and they feel empowered and they want to stay. And it's that employee experience, that, that team culture that you've built with good product management. Um, I, I like you that. can't measure that. It, it's really? very hard to. I mean, there's tools out there to pulse measurements and stuff, but it's still it's very hard to even get to the core of it. Corey, thinking. <laughs> How do you measure thinking? How do you measure somebody's thought processes or what they're thinking about or the things they're thinking through? How do you measure that? You measure the process you go through to make sure you have thinking built into it. But yes, I agree with that. And thinking is the hardest thing to do on some of these. Wow, that's a thought piece, but I'm pumped. Uh, Dutch. What's up? <laughs> hardest thing to measure. Oh, geez. I, I don't know. I mean, but I mean, thinking, yeah. I mean, the, the whole planning aspect, I mean, that is 
that is pretty hard to measure because you only see what the what the output was at, at that point, not all the things that went into it or the things that got thrown out. Yeah, I, I like that. Lee, what do you think? What's the hardest thing to measure? I'll also agree with the thinking and brainstorming piece because I feel, especially when we had to work in the office, that was the hardest part of like, I hope they all think I'm working over here because I'll just be like <laughs> staring off in this space. And I'm like, oh, thank God for remote work because now I could just do that on my own time. But um, yeah. That's a great point though. There's so much time as product managers, we're in our heads. Yeah. And if people are looking for physical activity or typing, we're, I'm sitting there staring at a whiteboard with a pen in my hand, right? waiting for something to come out the other eye. Sorry. We're like having water cooler talk with the devs or something. Like a lot of things come out of those conversations and you wouldn't, it just looks like you're slacking off, but <laughs> yeah, those, those things are hard to measure. I God. Yeah. Uh, Zach, you were building on that, right? Yeah. I mean, I think, I think like for me, um, I usually find it's really hard to quantify like level of completeness for first order kind of knowledge discovery, right? Like I used yeah. to work with this guy that that said you know just because you have shared documentation doesn't mean that you have shared understanding and I think to have a really sound strategy you need really good research and usually the quality of your primary quality and quant insights and org research is what informs everything else downstream so for me it's it's actually quantifying like the level of completeness for first order discovery in terms of like needs assessment and stuff I I love that I I love that Karen. You know, I'm really struck with what May said about team cohesion, because there are so many things in product management that go sideways. You make these great plans based on great research, blah, blah, blah. And suddenly COVID hits or a key player gets, you know, a, wins the lottery. I was going to say hit by a bus. Wins the lottery. That's my, that's my choice in that situation as well. Yeah. I use the lottery now. <laughs> might have remembered that from one time before but if you have a cohesive team that is looking at you and has trust in you then then a magic can happen I've seen it time and time again where like how did you pull that off and it's because there was team cohesion you can't measure it you just know when you have it and <clears throat> others know when you don't it, it's like art right Yep. I can't describe yep. what it is, but I, I know when I see it. Isn't that the right? Or was that was that it wasn't art, but yeah. <laughs> or or it's like the Jordan era Bulls, or you know, like I feel like there's there's like almost a, a sports team dynamic is a better analogy because yeah. there's something that's intangible but palpable, right? It's like you can feel that energy in the stadium, but you you can't like place exactly where it's coming from. So I've got a friend who was a psychologist on the Bulls during that era and he was the final say about Dennis Rodman coming on and would he be disruptive and what his feeling was was <clears throat> that with senior leaders like Jordan and Pippen they would make sure that Rodman knew his role on the court he he knows his role and he plays his roles is what impact would he have in the locker room and I, I love that uh, view of it, uh, that Zach. That's a great analogy. Richard, but I, I would I would also add to that point one step further to build on that analogy. You still need a Phil Knight, right? I mean, like in in order Phil to, to or Phil, Phil Jackson. Jackson, 
Right. Yeah. I'm, well, again, Phil Knight paid enough, for all of it, but not a, not enough coffee at the, the day. But yeah, Phil Jackson, right? Like you need a, a killer coach to, to bring to it all together, all of the personalities. I, I agree with that, Richard. Any thoughts on that? On the hardest to measure before we move forward? No, no, because I like to measure everything. <laughs> right. I find a way to come up with a metric for anything I can think of. So it's hard for me to say what's difficult to measure because I'll find a way to do it. I get that. Steve, any last thoughts on hardest to measure before we move to the lightning round? I like Richard's point of measure everything, but I'm reminded, I'll just do a quick one. I was reminded uh, last year, a client said that they had had a launch that was a disaster. And I said, how do you know? And they're like, well, it was just really bad. And I'm like, by what measure? And they're like, well, if no, you know, and then, you know, so they had, they had no definition of what done is or what completion is or what success is. They were just complaining it was a disaster with no parameters. So um, whatever it is you decide to measure, you need to have a definition of what it is you're measuring. Huh? I'll uh, sorry, that was a roundabout way. Of that's a very saying, ISO yes. 9000. Yeah. Have a process yeah. and show you follow your process. Indeed. Indeed. Whatever you want to measure, make sure you measure it. All right. That is true. Oh, but I will also agree with everybody else that trust and team morale are probably the best indicators of a successful product management team. All right. I love that. We're going to move to the lightning round. We got a big group, so we're going to be fairly lightning word, short phrase. What is the impact of good product management? Richard. Uh, successful product in the marketplace. Success, successful product in the marketplace. Boy, that's going to be a, a trump everybody else. Uh, Karen. Elevation. Elevation. I like that. Dutch. Um, <clears throat> a highly adopted product that is profitable for the company. <laughs> Highly adopted product that's profitable for the company. That's sort of building on Richard's. I love that. Lee. Sure. Mm, that the company is a well-oiled machine and everyone collaborates and works. The well. company is a well-oiled machine. The cogs all work together. I, I love these. I, I, th I thought Richard like sort of had the Trump one that everybody couldn't, but we're doing a great job. Zach. I would say to build on all of those fewer bad decisions faster. Fewer, I love that. Fewer bad decisions faster. I, I, I really like that. Corey. You have changed the world. Changed, boy, I love it. May. You have a much better chance at success in the market. Much better chance at success in the market. Because it's not guaranteed. It's not. It, it's bets. And even when you do everything right, you might not succeed sometimes, but you have a better chance of success. I love it. Steve. Happiness. <laughs> well, Grant, no, either maybe you should just text me what your answer is going to be so that I cannot say that. <laughs> I, I, I will go with a state of Zen. It's not just happiness. It's sort of uh, Zen. There right? we go. We're, 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 we're at this place of happiness. Obviously, we need to bring all those other things along that helps us get there. But for me, that's the intangible, the happiness, the, the state that you're in a sort of, a, you know, 
um, metaphysical uh, place that you can go. Not meta, but metaphysical. Uh, Friends build products. products. Yes, they do. Enemies build documents about products. Gosh, what a, what a great conversation. Some great new voices brought into the conversation. So Dutch and Lee, uh, great job on your first time coming into this one. Some great insight and, and you fit in, I think, just well. Uh, Richard, Karen, Zach, Corey, May, Steve, these conversations every week really do make me think. Uh, as you can see, sometimes I'm thinking out loud, which maybe is good or bad, but uh, I, I appreciate the conversation. I appreciate the stuff during the week. Uh, thanks to everybody for doing it. And we do this every week. Uh, Mondays, uh, we put the question in the community. Wednesdays, we do the poll. And on Fridays, we have these amazing conversations. So Everybody, thank you for an amazing conversation again this week. I look forward to another amazing conversation next week. And we'll see everybody in the community. Take care, everybody. Have a great weekend. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Product Growth Leaders Topic of the Week. If you haven't yet, go to your Apple, Android, or favorite podcast app to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join us next week for another episode. For more great content and to participate in the Topic of the Week conversations, go to community.productgrowthleaders.com and join the conversation.